Peace to you. Welcome back to The Naked Truth and thank you for joining me. We are going to pick up where we left off in the book of 2 Kings. We're almost through it. It's at chapter 21. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king and he reigned 50, he reigned 5 years. I'm sorry, he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah. So um, just to say it again, um, since I had some stumbles there, I, and as always, please forgive me if I mispronounce any of these. The next king that we're talking about is what we're talking about. Manasseh is his name. And you see what age he is? He's 12 years old. So it's letting us know not only the age of the next king in Judah, but also that that prophecy is being fulfilled. Some people in modern times, preachers especially, like to use that verse and point to modern times and say, when it's a politician that they oppose that oh see it's being fulfilled there's children reigning over kingdoms uh they have brains of children but that's just their their own opinion on things politically because we see here objectively that the prophecy is being fulfilled it was that if the people weren't and i'm paraphrasing if the people wouldn't be obedient then they'd be given children and women as their uh, rulers basically as their kings as their since I said women, obviously not just kings, but as their rulers. So we see here the prophecies are being fulfilled already, even though some preachers will try and twist this and say it applies to modern times, but only when it's a politician they oppose. Not only that, it uh, also shows that, well, let's just move on because it'll come out more, I guess, as we keep reading. So let's go on, verse two. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. So even though he's only 12 years old, that's what we're going to go back to, the age of the new king, uh, he's no good, apparently, according to the narrator here, letting us know that he did uh, the same sort of uh, idolatry in religious terms or uh, worship. He was of another, he had other religions in secular modern terms. So he basically had other different belief systems. That's what's being considered the around, uh, the outrage by the narrator here, because um, that's what the abominations were that the other people for before him, the other previous kings were guilty of, and um, and also the people who they're displacing and colonizing um, in the areas that they're going to, as we've read, verse three. For he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed. He raised up altars for Baal and made a wooden image, as Ahab king of Israel had done. And he worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. So uh, there we go. Hef, for, um, first, we, we see that the cycle is being replete, repeated because when other kings have taken the throne, one of the first things that are mentioned in the Bible that they did was tear down the places of worship that were there uh, before them. And it was almost always these phallic symbols, these uh, long, hard, tall, uh, penis-shaped structures that people would go to as their high place to worship. Um, and um, Hephzibah, by the way, his mama's name, is the same name that's given, I think it means married to, uh, as in the prophecies saying that that's what the area would be called by that same name. But we see the mother of this king here 
she probably almost certainly has a role in his idolatry, as it's called, since where else would he get it from? Who would teach him how to worship or seek God other than a parent? Um, you know, just like in modern times, if your parents don't take you to church, mosque, temple, whatever, uh, who's going to take you? Where would you pick it up from? So he, he's only 12, so most likely he picked it up from home. Uh, but not necessarily, because people do have schooling for their children to teach them all sorts of different things uh, beyond just religion uh, when they have means to. So anyway, it, it's saying he did just that. He rebuilt all those different places of worship for all those different entities and gods, lowercase g, if you prefer, uh, that the people worship. Because it wasn't just him. It's not just like one or two people doing it. It's extremely popular. It's the different things that people would worship in belief that that's who they're that's who they're calling god the different baals and all the it says hosts of heaven like even in the names of some of the planets those are also the names of some other religions of ancient times uh, like venus or um mars they're the names of different entities and they're named like that now even though it's supposedly a christian nation um a Bible thumping Christian nation. We've already read the scripture that says you're not even supposed to say those other entities' names. It's considered an offense to God. Um, and yet we name things that people refer to commonly after those other so-called gods. And yet say it's a Christian God-fearing nation. Nothing but a nation of hypocrisy. It's it's kind of crazy. Makes me want to move, actually. If you know some good places that are accepting of someone like myself, let me know. Please let me know. And God bless you for it. So verse four, he also built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, in Jerusalem, I will put my name. So now the narrator is letting us know the list, laundry list of sins that the 12-year-old king, uh, surely he's growing up. He was there for 55 years. So over his lifetime, some of the other things that he did were putting up more, erecting, pardon the pun, other places of worship for the people to all these other different uh, gods. Um, and he's saying, basically, he put the altars, not even basically, but uh, maybe as the cherry on top of insults, he even put altars to those different entities in the actual temple that was meant to be for the one uh, original Lord that the people were worshiping. Uh, previously, but there was never one uh, exclusive that the people worshipped, just um, the one specifically related to the Exodus story that was uh, behind the uh, emancipation from enslavement in Africa, the Jehovah, as it um, reads that entity. Um, in that same temple, the one that eventually gets destroyed and then rebuilt, and then according to Thumpers in modern times, they think it's going to be rebuilt again um, so that, uh, as part of the events of the end times uh, because of other prophecies in the Bible. But we've already read some of those that that's not how Jesus says it's going to come out. It's not red letter, but it is in the Bible. Um, so people think that that will, will play a part in it. So God only knows. We'll see. Verse 5, and he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. So again, like some of the planets, like almost all of the planets are named after those other gods. 
uh, Greco-Roman, generally speaking, but they have other names in other cultures also, but they're named after different deities. Um, in that same way, that's what people are worshiping there, and even an altar being set up for in the house of the one entity known as Jehovah. So that, again, by the narrator's standards, is considered like the ultimate uh, sin, the outrage of all the different things that uh, were done by this 12-year-old king, or the king who took the throne when he was 12. Verse 6, also, he made his son pass through the fire, practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft, and consulted spiritists and mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. So the list goes on of other things and entities that he worshiped. We already went over before with the roasting your children. That, um, that that was one of the things that people did. And it was to an entity, if I remember, called Molech in one language. Um, and it was also extremely popular in ancient times. Also mentioned outside of the Bible, if you want to look it up yourself. But also the other things that he was involved in, the soothsaying, that's basically like fortune telling. But it's fortune telling to one person, but it's prophecy to another, just depending on your religion. If you're a part of the religion, it's considered prophecy, I would think, once it comes to pass. But if you're not in that religion, you call it soothsaying because it's consulting other means to get there. Uh, the witchcraft, we've read about that. That's been since like the beginning. In Genesis, people were doing that with animal sacrifices and not just doing it, but getting uh, results. So it's not like people are just doing these things willy-nilly and nothing's happening. They're believing these things because they're practicing them and seeing results, even if the results, uh, not even if one of the major results that we've even read about um, here in the Bible is the animal sacrifices made to get God appear on to appear on demand um, by someone who's not Judean, not Christian, not Catholic, not any of the religions, uh, the major religions in modern times of the Bible. Uh, we read that before, Balak Balam with that um, narrative. So um, all these things are people or what people believed in and practiced. And to be honest with you, I've seen and practiced some of these things myself and seen that there is real uh there's reasons for people to believe that they work because they there are other means to get in touch with the divine that exist outside of the bible but people ignore them even though you see they're even mentioned in the bible and from ancient times and in the mediums those are people who can interact with the supernatural um, in plain english they'd be able to um call up spirits call up uh, people call them think of them as demons um, but they're, however you think of them, they're able to uh, interact with that realm and sort of call people up. And we even read an example of that in um, with the so-called Witch of Endor. Um, she's called a witch, but what she's able to do is be a medium. She's the medium, just like you use media now, whether it's a disc or a whatever, as your medium for communication with the song you want to hear. It, she's the medium or mediums are, in generally speaking, uh, the disc. But the message that uh, comes through them, they have no control over. So it'd be um, so that's also something those people were doing back then, and people still do in modern times. And according to the narrator, um, it's it's a, there's a period between the two statements. So 
not necessarily that is what he's saying is part of the much evil but he's saying irregardless of that he was also in the narrator's mind and of the of the history did a lot of evil in his time and that it provoked god to anger verse 7 he even set a carved image of asherah that he had made in the house of, the, of which the lord had said to David and to Solomon, his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. So um, Asherah, take it bit by bit. Asherah is a female so-called goddess that people also worship uh, in my ancient times. And um, I could be wrong, but I think people worship her in modern times also because um, she's considered a Canaanite goddess. That's the land, Canaan, where the people have gone in and colonized now and um, trying to take as their own, even though they still continue, continually have battles with the people who were there before, much like the Native Americans battled with the colonizers for a while before um, it became the America we have it now. Um, so same thing back then. So Asherah is one of the gods, goddesses that people will worship and he even built an, a monument to her um, in the house of the Lord. So in that same temple um, that the was set up previously that Solomon had built um, with the uh, instruction of David to build. So the same David and Goliath, David, there's his son Solomon had the temple built. And um, now and Solomon did it too worship all sorts of other entities and goddesses and gods in that same temple that was originally set up to just worship that one entity uh, known as Jehovah. And so according to the narrator, that was um, part of the great sin. But the one thing to not overlook is, look, it says, I will put my name forever. Why would God Almighty say, I'm going to put my name there at that temple, that place, that spot, or anywhere forever? word is forever and then it not be forever allow that temple to be trampled down and 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 gone and that's what happened the temple is destroyed it's not as it's still up at this point but you see what's happening at it other religions are being worshipped there even erecting the idols to them but um so-called idols but really just the places where so it seems to me that the temple had become a place of any church it's become the universal church where whatever you believe in, you can go there to worship and get closer to God. It doesn't seem to me like that would actually be, uh, in the grand scheme of things, a terrible idea if people really are um, thinking, I'm going here to be faithful and seek God. So at least, at the very least, you'd have all a whole bunch of people congregated, seeking spiritual enlightenment, trying to reach and talk to and communicate with the divine, with the supernatural, with God. Uh, so wouldn't that at least count for something in God Almighty's uh, grand scheme of thing and things and big picture of things to say, even though they're worshiping this one and that one and this one and that one and this one and that one, and they think it's me, um, at least they're trying to seek me. But I guess not. It, it's all considered to be an outrage, at least according to the narrator, because remember, it's not red letter. This is mostly just at this point history that it's going over. But um, I think the biggest thing is there is they, uh, the people were all, when they'd go there, they were trying to get, be practice their religion, getting closer to God. 
But apparently that was not pleasing because it wasn't one particular God. It seems, according to the narrator who wants wanted to be worshipped, I would think, again, the big picture of things, wouldn't God just be glad that these people are seeking me, regardless of um, their imperfect means, um, that at least they're trying to get to God. But then I guess when you consider some of the things <clears throat> excuse me, that were being done in their worship, I guess that's where the offenses would come in. Because uh, one thing or the other would offend someone. As in some cases, there's the animal sacrifices, which were common back then, but they would offend people in modern times. There were the sexual rites that they would do. Uh, the, and that's what I was thinking of before with the Asherah. Um, there's another goddess that people worship named Ishtar. And I think it might also be Asherah just spoken in another language. Don't quote me on that. I think it is. You have to research yourself. But that same Ishtar is the same goddess that people worship in modern times. They just don't realize it when they worship or celebrate Easter. It's what her, it comes from her name. It's one of these same Canaanite goddesses. And again, I think it's Asherah, but um, in another language. But again, you can research it yourself and see. So even though people don't have the perfect name down, perhaps, or uh, the perfect vocal point for their worship. Does it matter more to God Almighty that at least they're coming trying to worship me, even if they're worshiping me under the guise of some other false god, be it Ishtar, Easter, Asherah, Astaroth, Baal, whoever else that they're uh, calling God. They're trying to just say, I'm trying to worship you, the Almighty, the supernatural, the divine, however best I can. I would think that would matter somewhat to God, but God only knows. Apparently it did not, at least according to the narrator. Let's keep reading. Verse 8, And I will not make the feet of Israel wander anymore from the land which I gave their fathers only, if they are careful to do according to all that I have commanded them, and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. So I guess that's the caveat where... Um, that's attached to the forever statement that I'll put my name forever. Uh, but then there's a huge if, it seems, after that. That's if the people uh, are faithful, it seems, only if they are careful to do according to all that I've commanded them. So um, as long as the people keep the commandments, then that forever statement is good. I guess that would be the, the escape clause that God is saying forever in one verse, but then saying, and saying, I won't let make you wander anymore. So like, sort of like the wilderness years where they were there four decades wandering in the wilderness and were so miserable and upset that they were even tempted to go back and suggested going back to being slaves in Africa. They were that desperate to get away from this, the wilderness years. Um, so the Lord saying he wouldn't do that to them again only if they are faithful basically to the commandments so that would be the ten commandments those were the law that moses received um it doesn't mention here any of those statutes and ordinances that religion attached to those ten commandments um which i guess would have made it a little easier on people but still the people aren't being faithful verse nine but they paid no attention and manasseh seduced them to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. So um, either the narrator, or I suppose it's God supposed to be speaking here, the prophet, 
um, no, it's not. It's the narrator saying that um, the people uh, weren't faithful and that, in fact, their king, even Manasseh, uh, was the cause that led them into being even more idolatrous, even than the people, the nations the, who lived there before uh, the children of Israel went there and colonized it. Excuse me. Which, remember, we read that uh, that's the reason they're being displaced. At least that was the justification given for it when we read the colonization years as the Israelites arrived in the so-called promised land and began kicking the nations out. We were told that the reason the nations that are there are being kicked out is because they're so wicked and terrible and horrible. But then why is the Lord God Almighty, if you're to believe this is God Almighty, leading another nation of people in there from enslavement to freedom, telling them to go kick these people out of the land because they're so evil. If God Almighty knows these people that are kicking them out are going to turn out to be even worse, their kings even more horrible, and their people even less faithful than the people who are already there. So again, could this really be God Almighty? It seems to me no. And by the righteous standard of Christ in the Gospels, we know this can't be God Almighty that the people are interacting with, um, even though it is apparently supernatural. Um, and apparently Jehovah is the name of the entity that they're interacting with, um, with these events that seem very inconsistent, if you're going to say, uh, inconsistent at least, if you're going to say it's God. I, again, can't possibly believe this is God Almighty, but it is how it reads, so that's why we're reading it. So moving on, verse 10. And the Lord spoke by his servants, the prophets, saying, so now the narrator is saying, here's another message that God delivered to the prophets. Verse 11. Because Manasseh, king of Judah, has done these abominations, he's acted more wickedly than all the Amorites who were before him, and has also made Judah sin with his idols, so now the prophet, this unnamed prophet at this point, the last prophet we heard of, read about most recently that I can think of was Isaiah. So maybe this is Isaiah. Uh, at least we know Isaiah, but this could, this is, may even be a different, probably is a different king and his uh, reign at this point. So it may not be Isaiah at all. Whoever it is, it's a prophet that's delivering the message saying that because the king, Manasseh, has done wickedness and leading the people into other religions, worshiping all those other deities that we already named off. Um, verse 12, therefore thus says the Lord God of Israel, because I'm bringing, because I'm bringing such calamity upon Jerusalem and Judah that whoever hears it, both his ears will tingle. So apparently the judgment has already been set that because of the idolatry, because of worshiping those other religions, saying the Lord God of Israel, that same Jehovah entity is going to pay the people back um, by taking them down with something terrible. Um, let's see if it's going to be named what? In verse 13, it says it's so bad it'll make the person who hears about its ears tingle. 13, and I will stretch out and I will stretch over Jerusalem, the measuring line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab. I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. 
Also, the people are um, basically being warned that because of the idolatry, they're going to be completely wiped out, uh, turned over, flipped upside down, and laid waste. Verse the same way you'd wash a dish. Verse 14, so I will forsake the remnant of my inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies, and they shall become victims of plunder to all their enemies. Wow, so just like that, it seems the price for the worshiping all those other entities is high. They're going to end up being plundered, it seems, given up by the Lord. And it says Jerusalem, which is the kingdom of Judah and Samaria, uh, that's the kingdom of Israel. So that's both kingdoms. Both are going to be wiped out according to the um, narrator, the prophecy that's being delivered here. Um, let's see. So I, so I will forsake the remnant of my inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies and they shall become victims of plunder to all their enemies. Okay, we read that one, verse 15, because they have done evil in my sight and have provoked me to anger since the day their fathers came out of Egypt, even to this day. So it seems that the Lord hasn't forgotten the sins of the past. It's been a few hundred years since the people uh, were emancipated from enslavement in Africa and Egypt. And um, they weren't faithful during the wilderness years, the 40 years after that. They thought about turning back. And since they've made it to the promised land, uh, Canaan, as it was called, as it's also been called Palestine, um, uh, it, as it's now called Israel, but as it's also called lots of different things over time, that same region, um, haven't been faithful since then, even with all the idolatry going on, uh, that the Lord hasn't forgotten it. And saying that the Lord still remembers even what their forefathers did um, when they were emancipated and that it provokes the Lord's anger. It ticks the Lord off. Verse 16, moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to, to another besides his sin by which he had made Judah sin in doing evil in the sight of the Lord. So it's saying the narrator is letting us know that um, the, besides all the uh, idolatrous sins, worshiping all those other entities, having other religions uh, alive and well, besides doing that, the other thing that Manasseh is guilty of is pretty major also, killing innocent people. Uh, it doesn't say how he did it, but if you consider um, the state-sanctioned things like the death penalty, that's the same thing. That's being guilty of innocent blood because it's already been proved by statistics and history that not everyone on the death on death row, even now, and all, not all the people who have been put to death by the state were innocent. Uh, DNA is exonerating people left, right, and sideways slowly because the system isn't investing in that as heavily as it's investing in the military industrial complex or policing if it really wanted to um do better policing how about do some of those rape kits rape kits work through those and wipe out a whole lot of crime that's going on but because those crimes affect generally speaking females women who are the lesser of the sexes in the eyes of those in with power uh it doesn't. Rape kits just sit on the shelf and grow dust. And they really just seem to be a way to serve as humiliating the victim one more time 
before you ignore her case altogether. But again, it's not just females who suffer from rapes. Lots of different people, children included, suffer from rape. It's it's one reason I think instead of death penalty, how about just do castration? It'll end a whole lot of these uglinesses that happen in the world. Verse 17, now the rest of the acts of man and say all that he did and the sin that he committed, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? Some narrator is letting us know if you want to read more about Manasseh and his uh, reign, you can we can read about it more in the books of the Chronicles, which God willing, we will be arriving at once we finish the, this book of Second Kings. Verse 18, so Manasseh rested with his fathers and was buried in the garden of his own house in the garden of Uzzah. Then his son Ammon reigned in his place. That seems like a nice burial spot if you're going to do something like burying. Um, be buried in the garden. That way you can keep living on in the plants that feed off of your um, rotting flesh. Verse um, 19, Ammon was 22 years old when he became king and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Meshulameth, the daughter of Haruz of Jotba. So again, forgive me if I mispronounce any of these. But we're moving on to now the next king and his kingdom. His name is Ammon and he's a king of Judah. That's We know that because he's in Jerusalem. Um, see verse 20 and he did evil in the sight of the lord as his father manasseh had done so um he's only 22 he's a son of the previous king manasseh uh who we read about what, what he did and how wicked it was considered with all the different religions right there even in the house of the lord as it says um again whether we believe that's god almighty or not that's the place that was set up originally to be a place of worship for that one entity alone but it became a place of worship for all the people i guess they it was trying to um um trying to manifest that um that prophecy that the house would be called the house of the lord for everyone or the house the house of god will be a house of worship for everyone uh what is it it's um i don't know why that one is slipping my mind, but that that's what it's supposed to be. But instead it became a den of thieves. So maybe that's what it was trying to be and not trying to be an offense to God by having all those different religions there, but instead just trying to be a supermarket basically of whatever God it is you worship and want to praise, come here for it, go there for it. And that that's what it was trying to be in the big picture. I don't, again, I don't think that would be, so evil and wicked, except for then when you consider all the different practices, then I could see that would being uh, being offensive. And then not to mention that if you're going to go by what's written, it's not what uh, the entity called for and worship to it. So I guess I could see why it would be offensive if you're to believe that's um, what believe it as it's written. So anyway, the next king is not being good either. He's doing the same things his daddy did, worshiping all sorts of di different uh, gods, it seems. Verse 21, so he walked in all the ways that his father had walked, and he served the idols that his father had served and worshiped them. So he's doing the exact same thing. He sees what's set up around him by his father, and that's what he's, the footsteps he's following in. His father it was the religions of his father. He's following his father's religion, just like people generally do. 
verse 22. But I think, again, that that what the religion we're born into is not the religion we're bound to unless you choose to bind yourself to it. You have the option of treating that as the seed of faith to know there is a God and then actually letting the plant grow in the actual faith of finding God willing, the one real, true, almighty God, um, not just these other entities and things that people worship um, throughout time, which may also exist, may actually be entities and spirits and things that exist. They're just not the one almighty God that is, not just was, but is and will be that God, the original Um Verse 22, he forsook the Lord God of his fathers and did not walk in the way of the Lord. So the narrator here is letting us know he's doing the same thing his daddy did, being unfaithful to uh, the one entity known as Jehovah, but instead worshiping lots of different uh, entities as his God. Verse 23, then the servants of Ammon conspired against him and killed the king in his own house. So he's the victim of a coup. And the coup killed him. His servants uh, whacked him. Verse 24, but the people of the land executed all those who had conspired against King Ammon. Then the people of the land made his son Josiah king in his place. So see, there is another example of hypocritical Bible thumpers. They did things like January 6th, proclaiming they want going, uh, going back to the Bible with how things are and being more faithful to the Lord and how things should be. Well, if you're being faithful to that, the people who did that are guilty of crimes worthy of the death penalty. They're supposed to be executed because they did things against the government, against the ruling class, the ruling king. But because they're not of a certain complexion, they get protection and they get lesser charges. And many of them didn't even get charged, were able to leave the scene of a crime where people died. Uh, and if one person died during the commission of any crime, even if it's a misdemeanor, it's supposed to carry felony charges with it, felony murder charges with it. But you see what happens that none of them have been charged with that as far as I can tell. And look how long it's taken. It's been years. And you see, just like I said before, they're taking their time with the previous president, even charging him with anything on the state level and on the federal level, even though he's been caught with the nuclear uh, documents he was not supposed to have in his possession at all, still hasn't been arrested. But it's all just theater because it's all building up so that the timing can be right for this current president who he clowns and talks about like a dog to just go ahead and pardon him if he can. And then if he can't, look for it on the state level. It's just so much sick theater. And it's a sick, sick society. It's sad um, that people are okay with it and fighting with vigor for what's keeping them oppressed. It's just like with black people singing songs with the N-word, in my mind, you're singing to your own oppression. And it, it just makes no sense. Anyone else outside of the picture can see it and can tell, but uh, the one singing it don't see it and cannot tell. It's the same for black people. It's the same for MAGAs. It's the same for these tokens that align themselves with MAGA, whether they're gay tokens, trans tokens, black tokens, poor tokens, that's the major part of it impoverished people who align themselves with a movement that's working against them. It's really, really psychotic. It really is. So like I said, if you know a place outside of this place that welcomes someone like me, God bless you for letting me know. Verse 24, a good place, a better place, that is. 
Verse 24, but the people of the land executed all those. So the people weren't having it. They gave them the death penalty for their treason in killing the king. Verse 25, now the rest of the acts of Ammon, which he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? So now uh, also we could read more about them in the books of the Chronicles, um, of, uh, which again are the next books that we, God willing, will get to. Verse 26, and he was buried in his tomb in the garden of Uzzah. Then Josiah, his son, reigned in his place. So he was overthrown and executed, uh, assassinated, I should say. Um, but the people who didn't face swift justice, they were also put to death. Um, and the reign remained in his bloodline with another king of Judah, descendants of King David, taking the throne in his place. That was the last verse. That's where we're in this reading. As always, thank you for joining me for The Naked Truth. I hope it's a blessing for you and that you'll join me again. See you next time. Peace be with you.